Good morning, and thank you for joining us for Service at Home this morning. I'm Pastor Jacob Aranza, and along with my beautiful wife, Michelle, we've had the privilege of serving this church since its inception over 21 years ago. Our Savior's Church was born with a heart to reach people all across the greater community of Acadiana, Louisiana, and one day, the rest of the world. Today, we're more than six campuses spread across all Acadiana and other churches that we planted all across the state of Louisiana. And it's an honor and a privilege that you've chosen to invite us right into your home. Welcome to our new series called Hope Has a Name. There's probably no one in this book that shared more of a journey of hope that has impacted more of the world than the man called the father of faith, or you could call him the father of hope, Abram. Why is he called the father of faith or the father of hope? Because at age 75, God came and he spoke to him and said, Abram, get your wife, Sarah, and all that you have and leave and go to a place that I will show you. At age 85, God came to him and said, your wife, Sarah, will bear a child. This childless woman, and your descendants will outnumber the stars that you could see in the sky. When Abraham was still fatherless from Sarah at 99 and Sarah 89, God said, at this time next year, you will have a child. You think you might be discouraged? You think you might lose hope? After 25 years of getting up and taking everything you have and you and your wife moving in obedience to God, believing a promise that one day your descendants are going to multiply and be blessed across the earth and still 24 years later have no child. What amazing hope he shared. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul would simply write this thousands of years later in Romans 4, 18. Against all hope, Abraham hoped and believed and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope, what does that mean? That means that in spite of the circumstances that were around him, he believed the promises of the word that God had given to him and that what God had given him was more true than everything he could see with his actual eyes. You would think, well, what, what an amazing man of faith. What, what a journey this man took. As a matter of fact, the, the Jews claim him as their father. Christians, we claim him as the father of faith. But he was still about to face even a greater test. That's right. At 100 years of age, he would indeed father a child. And that child would be born and his name would be Isaac, which means laughter. Well, you can imagine why his name meant laughter, because every time they went around going, hey, did you hear that Abraham and Sarah are having a child? All you could do was laugh. This beautiful son, Isaac, had now grown. He was a young man. And yearly, Abraham would go and he would sacrifice to God offerings of animals, thanking God for all that he'd done for him. And in Genesis Chapter 22, God speaks to Abram and says, get up and you go and you take your son and I want you to go and I want you to prepare a sacrifice. But instead of sacrificing an animal this time, Abram, 
I'm going to ask you to sacrifice your son, your only son, the one who you love. As a matter of fact, let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22, where it says this, Abraham has now taken his son, loaded up everything that they need for the sacrifice on a donkey, gone all the way to Mount Moriah where he's instructed to sacrifice. And he's gone up the mountain and they built an altar. And there his son looks and says, Father, we have been here before. We have sacrificed before, but we always bring an offering. Where is the offering And Abraham looks at his young son and says, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. The altar's now built. They're waiting. And then he looks at his son and he says, Isaac, lay down upon the altar. And his son, if you can imagine that moment, if you can imagine that moment, lays down on the altar in obedience to his father, and his father ties him up there on the altar. You can imagine the fear, the concern on his face. And then Abraham pulled out the knife in obedience to God. You say, Pastor, how could he do this? Because the same God who told him when he was 75 to get up and go to a place that he would show him, and the same God that told him when he was 85 that they were going to have a child, and the same God that told him when he was 99, next year at this time, you have a child, he trusted that God was able to even raise him from the dead if need be. And here's where we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 22. Verse 10, and Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to kill his son. But an angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he answered and said, here I am. And the Lord said, do not reach out with the knife in your hand against the boy and do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear God with reverence and profound respect since you have not withheld from me your son, your only son of promise. And then Abraham looked and he glanced around and behold, behind him there was a ram caught in the bush and its horn was caught in the thicket. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he went and he offered it up as a burnt offering and as a sending sacrifice instead of his own son. And that day, Abraham named that place, that place on the altar, that place on Mount Moriah, that place where the ram was caught with his horns in the thicket, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day on the mountain of the Lord, it will be seen and provided. The angel of the Lord then called out again to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, By myself and on the basis of who I am, Abraham, I have sworn or no, declares the Lord, that since you have not, since you've done this thing and not withheld from me your son, your only son of promise, indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your descendants like the stars of the heavens and like the sands on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies as conquerors. And through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Wow. What a story. 
What a story. Yet that story that is thousands of years old holds the basis of all the Jews and what they believe as Abraham, their father of faith. And for Christians who believe that because of Abraham's obedience, God called him righteous before his eyes. Hey, I know we've gone through some tough circumstances of late in the last several weeks. I know going into a couple of months, many of you like me are looking around going, wow, what's happening to our world? What's happening to our jobs? What's happening to our economy? What's happening to schools? What's happening to universities? What's happening to our 401ks? What's happening? Today, I have a message of hope for you. And can I tell you what that message of hope is? Is that the God of Abraham who provided for him is the same God that shall provide for you. That you and I have reason, even in the middle of challenges and difficulty, to believe that we can have hope in the middle of our storm as we walk in obedience to God. What did hope's obedience bring to Abraham? Well, the first thing it brought him was the voice of God. I know that many of you like me have prayed prayers of late and you pray and go, God, God, show me, God, speak to me. God, heal our land. God, God, do what only you can do. As a matter of fact, most of you are joining us at 714 each night on Facebook where, where we are praying that this COVID virus will be broken and we are declaring the power of the cross over COVID-19. But it's usually when we are in the most desperate moments of our lives, as Abraham was, that he heard that voice. God could have spoken to him while he was on his way going, don't worry, I have a ram in the bush. God could have spoken to him after they built the altar and God could have said, okay, now I know that you're serious. But it was after he built the altar and he laid his son upon the altar and he picked up the knife and he prepared to fully obey God that God spoke and said, Abraham, Abraham, now I know. Now I know that you love me. Abraham heard the voice of God when he laid down that which was most dear and precious to him. As a matter of fact, I believe this is a season and a time where many people who've not heard the voice of God are hearing the voice of God. Where many people have put their confidence in gifts that were gifts that God gave to them, but now are gifts that have possibly been taken from them. And we can hear the voice of our Father as we lay down not only our future and our families and all that God has for us, but that we search our own heart and allow Him to come and to allow us to have an altar moment. You know, altars, if, if you're from our area or a place where the priest stands, when I grew up in church as a young man, I didn't grow up in this region. I grew up in Houston and in the church that I gave my life to Christ at, and I was born again, we had altars. They were like a, they were, they were like a pew, but, but they had no back. And we would go to service, and, and after the music, and after the pastor had preached, he would ask people to come forward. And you would take the sermon that you'd heard preached from the Word of God, 
And he would say, now I want you to come and I want you to kneel right here at these things that, that, that are altars. And I want you to allow God to search your heart. I want you to allow him to speak to you in unmistakable and undeniable ways. I, I can't tell you how many times that I heard the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit, that voice of God that speaks to us in moments only when we steal everything around us, put down our phones, shut down the TV, put away all distractions. And then we get to the place where we can actually hear God put his finger on the most loved things in our life. Abraham heard the voice of God. Here's the second thing that Abraham got through holding on to his hope, a new revelation of who God was. The Christian life, in short, is a very simple process. It's not easy, I said. It's simple. It's a process of me constantly surrendering myself to God so that he can fill me with more of himself. Many years ago, I heard someone use an amazing example as, as they took a, a, a bottle and they emptied out most of the bottle and then there was a little bit at the bottom like this, kind of like if you can picture in your mind, Coke, dark. And then the more that you take water and you pour it in, the more it pushes that out and the pure it becomes. My faith journey and your faith journey is just that same way. It's me constantly opening up myself to God so that he can pour more of himself into me and so more of the old things that are dark inside of me can come out of me. You see, in those moments, and maybe you remember, maybe it was at a tragedy, maybe it was at the loss of a loved one, Maybe it was a moment where you were in crisis and you prayed and you said, God, if you will meet me right here, I will surrender. And you can look back at that moment. That place, that altar, that place on Mount Moriah had a name. And that name was given by Abram and he called God something that he'd never called him before. Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide for me. Can I tell you this? I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know that Jehovah Jireh knows. And whether it's your next house note or whether your next car note or whether a concern of a child or even a job or a future, your heavenly Father loves you. And his heart's desire is to reveal more of himself to you. And I am so sorry that oftentimes it takes pressing circumstances to get us to a place where we are desperate and we cry and say, God, reveal yourself to me. And then he shows us a part of himself we've never seen before. I think it kind of goes like this. When I give God part of me that I've never seen before that needs to be given, he reveals more of himself to me than he ever has before. I've been a Christian for 46 years. I've been studying this book for 46 years and have worn out a number of them. 
But still, there are parts of Jacob Aranza that must be surrendered to God so that God can reveal more of himself to me. What happened to Kim that day is continuing to happen to you and me. Even now, God is revealing himself to us. Here's the third thing that his hope gave him was a blessing from God for all of his future children. What, what, what was Abraham's greatest need he was 99 with no son, no heir. What was this wife Sarah's greatest desire? She was almost 90 years old with no child. You see, poverty is not measured by what you have. It's measured by what you don't have. You might have all the water you need to drink where other people would love to have water, but they have grain or corn. Well, poverty is measured not by what you have, but by what you don't have. Abraham was financially blessed. Abraham had servants. Abraham had land. Abraham had crops. What he didn't have was a child. And really, that is the greatest test for all of us. What is it that we desire the most? And what is it that we loved the most? For him, he desired most a child. And now God gave it to him. And now God was asking for it back. Maybe you might say, Pastor, well, why would God give me something and then ask for it back? That, that's a good question. I think I know the answer. I think the Bible makes it very clear that oftentimes we can take good gifts that God has given us and they begin to replace the good God that gave them to us. God promised Abraham in the very beginning that his descendants would be more than the stars in the sky, his descendants would be more than the grains of sand on the seashore. And now he's asking him to kill his only heritage, to surrender it to him. And there's just something about that. There's something about us surrendering to God, the very thing that we want the most, but when we do and we put it in his hands, that's when the multiplication begins. Because today, while I stand here in Lafayette, Louisiana, preaching to you, thousands of miles away from here, is a nation of people called the Jews. And they are in their own nation called Israel. And that was property given by God. God gave, God given to Abraham in the book of Genesis that they still maintain and own to this day. That remind you that God is faithful to his promises. That he could take a man who was willing to lay down the one thing he had that was his future and multiply it to where thousands of years later, as I stand here and you sit where you are, God's promises are still coming to pass today. Oh, and by the way, when he said through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, why don't you open up your Bible and look in the book of Matthew and begin to follow the genealogies. It was, that's the families. 
That, that's your ancestry.com from a biblical perspective. And you follow and you can go all the way from Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob, who becomes Israel and Israel. And you begin to follow the lineage all the way till you get to Joseph and Mary and Jesus the Savior of the world, and today, through Him, all who call upon His name are forgiven of sin, brought into relationship with God, and born again. And as a matter of fact, many theologians believe that that mountain called Mount Moriah, that 2,000 years ago, this very place where the altar was built, where Abram had a knife, above his son Isaac, prepared to sacrifice him in obedience to God. Many believe that that place is now called Mount Calvary, or Golgotha, which means thousands of years before, where he had that knife standing above his son, God would allow his son to be crucified to become the perfect Lamb of God. Because you see, hope is never just about you and me. It's about the future. It's about our children. One day, when COVID-19 is something that people will pick up and, and read about in a book, your children will recall this time. They will recall this season. As a matter of fact, right now we are teaching them how we walk through trying and difficult times. I'm reminded of a man who came walking into one of our campuses. One of our pastors counseled he and his wife that week. She apparently was in a relationship with someone else and was considering leaving her husband and her three children, two of them teenagers. Our pastor met with them, and I was thrilled to hear that she'd committed to work on their marriage, and, and the man had committed to forgiving her and them going to counseling. So that morning, while I was there greeting people as they came walking in, he came, and, and I saw him, and I saw the two teenage children, and, and then I saw the younger child, and I looked and said, where's your wife? He motioned for the children to go on into church, and he dropped his head and he began to shake and tears began to stream down his face. I immediately pulled him over to a little side room. And he said, after we left, she told me she doesn't want to work on her marriage anymore, Pastor. She told me that she doesn't love me anymore. She told me that she doesn't want me anymore. And he was sobbing. And he said, we've been praying. The children and I have been asking God to restore our marriage. What do I tell my children? And I reached over and I lifted up his head and I took him by the shoulders. And I said, John, do you think your children are ever going to walk through difficult moments? He nodded his head. I said, do you think that your children are ever going to go through times where they don't know what the future holds? He shook his head. I said, do you think they're going to go through times where they're going to question their hope and faith? He shook his head again. And I said, then show them how to walk through difficult times with faith and hope and trust in the promises and the word of God, believing that he will carry you regardless of the circumstances. 
today. I want to pray for you that this same God, this God of hope, this God who reveals himself to us each step of our journey, and he's doing it even now, even now for you, right where you are, that you would allow him to reveal more of himself to you. Because it's not always about you or about me. As Abraham found out by thousands of years later while I stand here, his descendants in their own nation, in their own country. Could I pray for you now? That God would come and that he would stir up hope inside of you. That you would recognize that God's promises are true and they are unwavering and that today, regardless of your circumstances, you can hope against hope. Father, today in the name of Jesus, I pray for every precious person watching right now. I pray for their future. I pray for their jobs. I pray for all that that, that is a concern to them, cars and rent and house notes and and 401ks and retirements and and all the property payments and and other obligations and college for our children and schools and, and, and groceries and all of the things that concern us. Father, Speak to us just as you did to Abraham in that desperate moment and reveal yourself again as Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, and reveal yourself again as the God of all hope. For you are, for you are, for with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I pray for the peace of the Holy Spirit to surround them. I pray for the presence of God to surround and cover them right now. That your peace and your presence surround them. That they feel your heavenly embrace. And what Abraham sensed that moment when you called his name, when he stood with that knife and you called his name, may they hear you call their name. Come now, Holy Spirit. Come down to every home. Come down to every person, Holy Spirit, right now. It's only you can. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Today, the greatest hope that you and I will ever know is not when finances get better, It's not when the job outlook and forecast is better. The greatest experience that you and I will ever have of hope is the moment that we are born again. You see, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree in the garden, God told them in the day they touched or ate of the tree, they would die. And when they did, from that moment till this, every person born has been born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. And that's why in John chapter 3, when a very good religious man named Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, Teacher, I, I know that you are from God, 
because no one could do the works you do unless God was with him. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said right here in John 3, 3, do not be surprised that I tell you, you must be born again. Nicodemus said what any of us might say as an adult is, how can I be born again when I'm old? And Jesus said, what's born of the body is the body, but what's born of the spirit is of the spirit. Spiritually, you must be born again. Can I ask you the most important question of your life? Have you been spiritually born again? You say, Pastor, what does that mean? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that enough? That's a great start. But Jesus said, you must be born again. My spiritual birthday is 1971, two weeks before Easter, where I prayed with an African-American counselor in a chemistry lab in junior, Jackson Junior High School, in my junior high school right there in the inner city of Houston. That day I prayed to be born again, and the old Jacob died, and a new one came to life. I became spiritually alive. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that that day my name was written in a book in heaven called the Book of Life. And one day when I stand before God, He will open up that book and my name will be there. You see, until you're born again, like Nicodemus, you can be religious, you can be smart, you can know a lot about the Bible and religious things, but you will not be spiritually alive. Jesus never came to make bad people good. He came to make spiritually dead people live again. Would you like to be born again? You say, Pastor, how can I do that? It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became your sin bearer and he died for your sin so you wouldn't have to die with your sin. C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin to be born again. If you'd like to do those things, I'm going to pray with you right now. And at the end of this prayer, God is going to forgive your sins. Christ is going to come and live inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. And God is going to give you the relationship with him through Christ that you've always desired. Would you pray with me right now if that's what you'd like to do? If you'd like to be born again? If you'd like to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that when you take your last breath, the next face you see will be the face of Jesus and that as long as you live, God's plan and purpose will be fulfilled through your relationship with God through Christ. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, just say it, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you prayed to be born again with Pastor Jacob, congratulations, you just made the most important decision of your life. And we'd love to help you with your next step. All you need to do is text the word Connect OSC to the number 41411. Somebody from our team will reach out to you and we're going to help you on your spiritual journey. Again, thank you for your continued support and your generosity during this crucial time. If you'd like to give, text OSC Family to the number 77977. You can go to OurSaviorsChurch.com, click Give, or mail to the address on your screen. And then one final word, don't forget, Unite 714. That's where the body of Christ comes together to pray to eradicate this virus. You can join us on Facebook Live tonight at 7.14 p.m. Thanks again. God bless, and we'll see you next week for Hope Has a Name.